We acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded, ancestral, and occupied traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Nation, the people of the three fires known as Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi Nations. And furthermore, we thank the Chippewa of Saugeen and the Chippewa of Nawash, now known as the Saugeen Ojibwe Nation, who are the traditional keepers of this land. In some parts of Canada, treaties were signed with First Nations that gave incoming settlers rights to much of the land, while in other areas, few or no treaties were signed. Unceded land was never given or legally signed away to Britain or Canada. It was stolen and continues to be occupied and governed by settlers today. As we live, work, surf, and play, we say mahalo to the Métis, Inuit, and Indigenous peoples of Turtle Island and from around the world who have stewarded these lands and sacred surf spots for thousands of years. We recognize their amazing resistance, resilience, and strength in the face of ongoing dispossession, colonial violence, and injustice. In particular, we wish for justice to be brought for the murdered and missing Indigenous children and victims of Canada's residential school system. We believe that for true healing and harmony to occur, we must end the cycle of oppression while working together as we move forward in truth and reconciliation. We can be better. We can do better. Welcome to Permastote. I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. In this podcast, we talk to your favorite surfers and stand-up paddleboarders from across the Great Lakes, Canada, the U.S., and beyond. We take a peek into their lives and find out what it means to be stoked. Is it a natural state of euphoria, elation, a relentless commitment? I also talk to other permastoked individuals with ties to surf culture, such as artists, entrepreneurs, environmentalists, filmmakers, musicians, and much more. Join us each week in learning from these field experts and enthusiasts, while also being inspired by their undying passion, insights, and rad tales. Permastoked is presented by Freshwater Surf Goods, your surf brand devoted to spreading the stoke across the unsalted seas and cultivating pride amongst the surf community. We do this by providing products and apparel that celebrate the awesomeness of both Great Lakes and Canadian surf culture. Stand out in the tribe by rocking our gear today. But hey, don't just stand around on the beach looking cool. Check out our Stoke Academy and try surfing or stand up paddleboarding. Get away to Ontario's magnificent Bruce Peninsula, where we offer Paddle Canada certified basic and advanced sub courses private lessons, tours, subsurfing, and even beginner surfing lessons. Visit www.freshwatersurfgoods.com to sign up for your freshwater fantasy. Before Surf Canada, there was the Canadian Surfing Association. Before Dom Domic, there was John Fluke. Meet the former executive director of CSA Surf Canada in this episode as I chat with him about getting sponsors on board Team Canada, the road to the Olympics, 
which surfing is making its big debut today, which for you guys would have been yesterday. We also talk about localism in Nova Scotia and the Lawrencetown Beach Surfers Alliance. So stay tuned for this great chat with John. This episode was recorded on February 16th, 2021 and may contain coarse language that could be deemed offensive. Listener discretion is advised. John Fluke, welcome to Permastoked. How's it going, dude? Thanks. Uh, not bad at all. Thank you from the East Coast. Nice. It's good to have you talking to you from Nova Scotia. So whereabouts in Nova Scotia are you, John? Well, I live in Coal Harbor. Claim to fame, I always say, is uh, my paper boy was Sidney Crosby when he was young. Oh, wow. Just lives up the street. His parents live up the street. Wow, that's a pretty cool uh, sort of Canadian moment for you. Wow. Yeah, but I got, you know, I got about 10 breaks within about 15 minute drive of my house too. So Wow. So did you ever get Sidney Crosby out on a surfboard? No. <laughs> I don't think now they'll let him go out on a surfboard for insurance reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he might have to wait till retirement till he gets yeah. on a surfboard. That's right. So have you been out surfing lately in Nova Scotia? Last time I was out, I was out uh, in January. I haven't been out yet in February. Okay. So what's the weather like out there this time of year for you? Well, today uh, we've had freezing rain. Now it's supposed to go up to eight above. And uh, by Friday, we're supposed to have snow again. But the water temperature Uh, right now is about one, if that. And the air is about minus three or four. So, you know, it's a little nippy. Okay. but, but, you know, the, the swells are getting a little bit better now, too. Nice, nice. So, everybody, we're talking to John Fluke. Now, John, tell me, tell us about your history with surfing. You have involvement with CSA Surf Canada, correct? That's correct. I ran Surf Canada from about 2005 to 2010 when Dom took it over. No, 2011. Dom took it over in 2011. Okay, so for anyone wondering what the heck is Surf Canada, maybe you can tell them that as well. Well, Surf Canada was uh, the Canadian body for surfing, any any type of surfing in Canada. We had river surf, lake surfing, uh, east coast and west coast, but also we were a member of the International Surfing Association, um, and they had annual uh, contests and meetings every year, and they were pretty well all over the world, and First contest uh, that I went to with, with Nico Manis and a bunch of the other ones from Nova Scotia was the Huntington contest for the seniors. Oh, and wow. uh, when we were in California, we ended up staying at Robert August's house for a day and a half. And oh, then uh, wow. we ended up staying with a lady who ran the surf museum in Huntington Beach. Uh, she let us okay. use her townhouse in Huntington right down the, beach, the wharf area. Okay. So so we got to surf trussels and that. And after that, we went. I went to Portugal twice. I went to um, Peru and New Zealand with the Canadian team. Wow. So yeah. Surf Canada got you bouncing around the world a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was being the president. You had to go and make an appearance at these meetings and that. But I says, you know, the first t- couple of times we went, Canada was looked as a <laughs> the funny child. Uh, you know, no one surfs up north. And when I started, we were in the mid 30s and when i left we're in the high teens and now dom has moved it into the single digits i think from last i conversation i had with them wow so that you know and it was funny because at the end of the contest everybody wanted to trade uniforms and the canadian uniform was so highly sought after one who would surf in canada and then the big maple leaf on the shirt or on the hoodie or something eh 
Yeah, and those shirts are highly coveted because Surf Canada doesn't have a shop or anything. So no, no. Yeah, and it was good because when I ran Surf Canada, we ended up getting corporate sponsors involved in it. Mm. And at that time, we had Mazda, we had Air Canada involved, we had Tourism Nova Scotia here involved in it, and the government in Nova Scotia and the universities down here realized that this was a good selling point mm. because now. They use on how many advertisements you see around the world where you see no surfing Nova Scotia in there. They're surfing yeah. in Nova Scotia. Not you know? very often. Or in downtown Montreal, there's a big uh, billboard there where it had uh, come to Nova Scotia, do your degree. One of the universities had a guy stand there with the surfboard. Oh, really? Cool. So, you know, advertisement. Yeah. That. So. so when you stepped into the position of president at Surf Canada, what year was that? That would have been 2005. 2005. So what had Surf Canada been or looked like up until that point? Well, that prior to that, it was it, it was people that went to the Worlds and the Juniors and that. It wasn't the best surfers. It was who had the money. Oh, okay. Okay. And then for, for, for a while, when we'd go to the ISA, and it was becoming expensive because they wanted it all over the world, eh? Mm -hmm. you, you know, you don't have it in California. No, they wanted to go to Europe. And like I said, I was interested in surfing in Portugal. Um, I surfed under, down under in New Zealand and that. But it was, it got to the point where, you know, it was corporate and you had to get mm -hmm. corporations involved to help. And um, that's with the corporations. When I got the corporations involved, we were able to send out the, the kids that could afford it. There was a lot of kids that couldn't afford it, mm. especially younger, the juniors, because the junior was going to be held every year. The seniors was every two years. Okay. So you stop and you figure out a flight and lodging for two weeks because that's what the tournaments were. They were two week tournaments, and that was expensive. So with corporations like Mazda, Air Canada, Tourism Nova Scotia, there was funds there that we down the East Coast. What we did for the junior team, we divided the team in half. Half went to the West Coast for spots, and half went to the East Coast for spots. And then what we did was in on the East Coast, we had contests. And we ran uh, the Nor'easter down at uh, White Point. That was always Easter. That was a good, or around that air time. It was a good weekend for everybody from the East Coast, or from Halifax area to go down to the South Shore and just party. That's what it was. It was a glorified party, okay. but it was a great time. But we had a great contest. It was in spring, or like late winter contest. Then we had uh, a big one in the summer, the Nor'easter, which not Nor'easter, the S September Storm. And that was one of the biggest contests in Canada for a long time. And at one year, we did run one Boxing Day. Oh, wow. So they called it the Chili <laughs> Willie, and it was only ran one year, but it was one of the best contests we had here. Amazing. Ran it on Boxing Day, and I think they had about 40 surfers in it. Wow. And that. So uh, back then, you're saying that they would send eight surfers from the East Coast and the West Coast? to the well, What it was, it was uh, on the junior team, there was – Four, uh, two boys, or what was it? Four under, no, 216, 218. So you'd be four spots. So two East Coast, two West Coast for each spot. And then on the girls, there was uh, four spots. So okay. we split it. Our girls, there was only one class and girls was girls under 18. Now on the senior team, it was, uh, we had a, we had four openings for men's opening. We had two for the women's and we had one long board and one body board. Oh, okay. So that's how the team was comprised. Eh? So what we would do is we try to divide the team between the East and the West. And like I said, when we ran the contest, we'd start in the, the spring. The spring contest would be the first contest, and we did it in point system. So if you came first 
in the spring one and came second or third in the, the fall one, but you had enough points, you ended up being selected for the team. Right. And that's how we did. We, you know, it wasn't, oh, you can't go because you don't have money. We had the money. And that was oh, the whole okay. idea. I wanted the best surfers that Canada could produce. Not, I wouldn't call them uh, country of passport, convenience of passport. My parents are Canadian, but I live down in the Caribbean or I live in South America and I surf year round. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd rather have a Canadian that lives in Canada to go to yeah. represent Canada and that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that was the whole idea and how that's how we got the teams going. And like I said, every year we had full teams going to all the different contests mm. and that. And like I said, it got to the point where even the corporations that were sponsoring, not here in Canada, but the, the, the world's was uh Billabong sponsored one, which was the world. So that was a lot of money that they put up every year for that. Yeah. Contest. And Quicksilver did the, the world juniors. Now I don't know who sponsored the contest, but also at that time, where with the annual meetings at the IASA, we were working at uh, getting surfing into the Olympic sports. So mm-hmm. we're one of the founding groups or push for it. And then Dom and them continued it on. So you were part of some of those early discussions. The early discussions with Fernando wow. and all that. So how do, how do you feel about seeing how where that's come? And now it's actually coming to fruition. It's coming to fruition, but uh, mixed feelings at times. You know, you stop okay. and you look at it. but it's, it's it's what's going to happen to countries that are landlocked who want to run the Olympics. Yeah. And you can't control all the contingents. And it's great to make these man-made waves, but after a while, you know, it's, it's different surfing in river surf, mm-hmm. surfing in the Great Lakes, or coming out here in the ocean and surfing. Yeah, there's yeah. completely different. And it's the same surfing here. And now me packing up and going to uh, Indonesia for a month and surf. It's yeah. a completely different type of surf. Mm-hmm. And that. So, but like I said, uh, I have mixed feelings. I, I think it's great. Uh, the Olympics are only going to survive if they keep on bringing these innovative sports in. And yeah. it's mainly the young kids. Like okay. what I'm seeing here, we never used to see young kids in the water. Around here now, we're seeing more and more young people mm. that are second, third generation of parents who've surfed or grandparents who've surfed, yeah. and, which is a great scene to see here. Mm. And it's not just in the summer. I'm seeing some of these younger kids out in the middle of the winter like that. Wow. That's hardcore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if their parents, maybe their parents are getting tired taking the arena all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For real. Yeah. Surfing, the other Canadian pastime that most people don't know about, even in Nova Scotia. Well, I think, I think in Nova Scotia, it's changed a lot. Um, 10 years or 15 years ago, you'd never see cars driving around town with surfboards on. Mm. Now that's all you see. And, and like I said, everybody's all, so we try to keep it quiet. We don't want anybody here, but it all takes us personal look on the internet and look at the storms and the day of the internet's open everything up for everybody. And, you know, I don't know how many places I've been around the world where you're sitting with someone and said, well, oh, you're from Nova Scotia. I hear the surf's good there. I've seen some pictures. Is that really like that? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I was sitting in Indonesia and in, uh, in Bali at uh, Panam Panan, and there was a guy there from uh, Wales. And he knew the guy who owned Blackfoot uh, Tuna Fish Surfboards here in Nova Scotia. Oh, okay. How's the small world's that? Seriously, yeah, that's yeah. wild. And he just knew about the guy from uh, being online looking at his surfboards. Yeah. So. Wow. So. So how are you feeling about the talent that we do have going to the Olympics? Pete DeVries and Matea Olin. Uh, I think, I think, well, Peter DeVries is unbelievable. Like, if you'd, yeah. he'd come out for our pro contest out here. 
and it was always hands down. You knew he was going to always take it, but just mm. the way he surfs, it's just great. Yeah. And it'll be good to see what, how he does in Japan. You know, mm. it'll be interesting to see what, how we do that, uh, how the team's handles. Now I know our girl, the girl, the longboarder uh, from Canada is uh, pretty good. She's on the circuit. Yeah. So. Absolutely. But that's the thing. Um, I think with the younger people starting in the sport here in on the East Coast and on the West Coast, that uh, we're going to start seeing more and more younger kids. And like I said, I know it's a hard time for economically for corporations to sponsor people, but if someone's looking that way, there's a lot of young surf out here that are worth chasing. And, you know, maybe we can get some of them on the circuit. I, I know a lot of the ones that are past our prime, but uh, there's a lot of young kids that we can get on the circuit. For sure. So if you were to, to distill down your crowning achievement at Surf Canada, it sounds like to me it was sort of taking the money out of the picture and providing the money from the sponsors to get the skilled surfers where they need to be, not just the folks who had money in the bank and could afford to board and it was and, and those ones that went to the contest they were there to surf where these other people yeah you know looking at oh i can go to tahiti for a cheap trip mm. and i'm going to be over there well i can surf i don't really care about the contest because we're gonna get our ass handed to us that <laughs> attitude. you know you know that that was the mentality of the older people the, the, okay. the ones before me yeah they would go to the worlds and that but they weren't there to be serious they didn't have like, a high expectation. For no, them. they didn't. And that's why, like I said, when we first went, first couple of times, they're going, Canada? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hi, hi, guys. Uh, <laughs> nice to meet you. But but by the time, after two or three years, there's a, a crew, crew of us, the president of France, the president of Great Britain, myself, the South African president, the New Zealand and Australian, and the American guys were a group. We would talk about stuff and we'd be back and forth in conversations a lot. Even the guy from Brazil became good friends with me. Wow. But that was the thing. They started taking Canada serious. Mm. And, you know, and they listened to what we had to say. And that, you know, it wasn't just, okay, we're surfers and we know what we're doing. They listened to us because, hey, they came to here and we were one of the few countries that had all the major labels sponsoring the team. Mm. We had Billabong, we had O'Neill, we had Quicksilver and River. All donated, and that was a rarity in the industry. Really, you either had one sponsor or you had no sponsors type thing, mm -hmm. and we had everybody. We had a, and there was an agreement; everybody was sponsored equally. Yeah. That. Now, if they were a team rider, the company would pay for them, but if not, they came out of our funds and that. But the clothing was sponsored and the, the goodwill from all the companies. Now, in those early days, did you ever feel? Kind of like that John Candy movie, Cool Runnings, with the Jamaican bobsled team, like a little, <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, no, because, you know, like everybody, especially go in some of these countries, I don't know what's, I think it was in Portugal. Was it Portugal? Yeah, I think it was Portugal. We had a hockey stick. Mm. We used it as a flag bearer. Well, someone stole our hockey stick. <laughs> and the Australians got up and said, no, 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 we got to fight his hockey stick. And that was Whoa. a big joking thing. Yeah. That was, you know, they at first they didn't think of us seriously, but then uh, you know after we started placing, like one year, Noel Cohen, Noel Cohen from out west did unbelievable at the Worlds in Portugal in two thousand and eight, and he even made Surfline that day on their uh, picture because he caught a tube uh, inside the point. Oh wow! So you know, all of a sudden everybody started looking at Canada and saying, okay, 
these guys were in the mid thirties. Now they're in the mid twenties and they're keep on moving up Freaking the ladder. Up, yeah. we're, we're, we're taking them seriously. You know, you know, it's not like you go in, you do one heat, you go to the rapid shower and you're done for the thing. And you're still over there for another week and a half. Yeah. We were getting into three or four days, five days into the system. Wow. So, you know, and all of a sudden people started taking notice of what we we're doing. Yeah. So seeing surfers from all around the world compete, what would you say sort of separates Canada from the rest? Is there some kind of characteristic that defines us as Canadian surfers in, in your mind? Well, we're polite mm. <laughs> at times, at times. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, I think, I think uh, the look on the face of a lot of these guys, especially the guys from South Africa or Australia, when you show them pictures of us getting out of the water in the middle of the winter with icicles hanging off, they're going, no, that can't be real. Yeah. Going, yeah. Here's what's going, you know, and they look at you like you're crazy. Why would you? I said, buddy, if you go out and you see a 15 foot face, nice, right? Why wouldn't you get in the water? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, the, but it was just, it's just the look on the people's face when you start showing the pictures and you say, yeah, what's the water temperature? Oh, one degree. What? <laughs> <laughs> and they're down there in, 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 in uh, Ehod, New Zealand. And it was uh, like three mil wetsuits and they were complaining it was cold. Yeah. I said, oh yeah, that's, that's a nice summer day for us. Yeah, it definitely takes a, like some bravery or, you know, bearing the elements. It, it sort of takes a certain kind of person to even go out in the water yeah. as a Canadian surfer. Yeah. And that, and it, you know, and it's, 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 and the sport is growing. That's, that's the thing you, you know, you stop and look at it and how many people are in the sport now, you know, and that, excuse me. And uh, like I said, you know, you talk to people around the world and I still keep in touch with a lot of the different presidents in different countries and see what's going on. Or if I'm somewhere and close by, we can meet, we'll meet in that. Right. But it's okay. just, it's just to say, are you still surfing? Yeah. Here's the pictures. Oh, and then you, they see hurricanes come up here. I've got friends that live in New Zealand that are talking or, or in Australia and you're talking and they're going, what's it like in September? I says, got to come up. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> it. We're going to come up in September, October. I said, that's yeah. the best time you come and you're sure to get some surf. Yeah. And then when you tell them how warm the water is and they just look at you like you're crazy, yeah, you can get in board shorts. And uh, if it's a good hurricane season, you can get in board shorts ahead uh, here in Rashgard. Yeah. And they just shake their head. Yeah. You know, it's almost as warm as Indo. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. So, and, and you got a nice beard going there. So that can translate into a nice ice beard this time of year. Yeah. Yeah, that would. I started growing this about a year and a half ago. And then when we got in this lockdown with pande the pandemic, I said, I'm going to grow it till it ends when the WHO calls it over. And then I'm going to measure. And for every one inch there is, I'm donating a hundred dollars to a charity. Oh, wow. Good for so, you. Like so if it, it keeps, I figure it's going to be another year before I'm also nine or 10 inches. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, sure. but yeah, no, it's, it's funny. And it's funny because um, this summer I have a red wetsuit and I was out in the water and someone gave me a lip. And I kind of got snotty with them. And uh, someone called me uh, uh, grumpy Santa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess it kind of stuck because I got hit in this in the fall that's why it's a little getting too crowded. I got seven stitches on the top of my head when I got hit wow. by a pin. And uh, someone said, yeah, Santa's mad. Someone hit him with a surfboard and cut his head open. And that's what wow. happened. Unreal. So, so when you were president of CSA, was that a paid position? No, it wasn't. Oh, okay. But see, there's a lot, a lot. What I do is I work with corporations where I do with my real job. And it was just second nature to me. And that's how I, I just ran it as a business. 
okay. And you know, you went after corporation, you got sponsorship, and you explained what you were going to do for them, and you did it. And like I said before, when you started going to a kid saying, "Listen, you're going to the world," and his parents were going, "Well, we can't afford it." No, it's all paid for. And they're looking on the face, and kid would never had a trip like this. Yeah. And that, and that was the whole idea because he was a good surfer, or she was a good surfer, but the parents couldn't afford it. Yeah. And that's, that's what I don't believe in. I believe if we can get enough corporate sponsors, <coughs> you should send the best, not the richest. Yeah. That is a nice legacy to leave behind, John. I declare you once again, happy Santa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what yeah. kind of work is it that you do normally then? I work in the forest industry. Oh, okay. and I, do. I work for a corporation called Timbermark Group, and I, I look after buying the commodities for their operation in the East Coast. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, the the lumber industry is big out there. People don't. I I did a summer of tree planting out there. Okay, and most people don't even realize there is tree planting on the East Coast. No, no, there's a lot of business, and there's a lot of family. It's a lot of old family businesses that are out here, yeah. and that so. But yeah, no, and that, that for, it works out good for me because because of the pandemic, I work from home. And if it's waves are up, like I said, I got about 10 breaks, we're about 15 minutes from my wow. house. So I can just disappear and go out for an afternoon surf and back here, do some more work and then back out again for another Incredible. surf. Incredible. So yeah. when you were, you know, overseeing things, you mentioned Nico Manos. Was Logan Landry uh, coming Logan, up when you were around? Yeah, Logan was involved. He was with the World Juniors, and then he went to us with us to Portugal with the World Team and that. So, yeah, there was them. There was uh, Kim Childs was another one from the East Coast. <laughs> um, Marty King. Okay. Um, trying to think of it. Uh, Brian Woodford. Woody. Okay. Um, trying to think of who else was. So there was Isaac Norman. There was uh, Taylor Connell. Uh, Sam McKinnon, a whole bunch of them that ended up going to the Worlds. Uh, Julie Baldwin was another one. Okay. I'll have to chat with you after and, and find out who are some other really good candidates to, to have on the show that people would want to hear from from out there. Yeah. 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 So I did some surfing out in Nova Scotia before. I've surfed at Martinique and Lawrencetown um, in about 2008. And so I'm really curious, John, where did your surfing journey begin? Has did it spawn in Nova Scotia or did you well, find not really somewhere I, else? I went I went to uh, I get my dad's family has family out in California. So I'd go out and visit with them, meet with them and visit with them. And their one son, Peter, was into surfing off and on. So we went out to Stanson Beach and that's where I first got my toes wet. OK. And I How came out here. You have been uh, at that time. That time I had been about 16, 17 years old. Okay. And then I came out with one company out here on the East Coast and I surfed, got transferred back to Toronto. <coughs> they got bought out and I came back out here with another company, small company, and I haven't left. I've been here since 92. Okay. And left, went back to Ontario in 98, came back here in 99, haven't left since. Okay. And like I said, where, where can you complain? You know, where you're. I don't have to drive more than 15 minutes to a surf break. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you got the best of both worlds. So you started surfing when you would visit your cousins in California? Yeah, California, yeah. So that must have been torture coming back to Canada and what, waiting an entire year before you got back in the yeah, woods? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. And so, so when did you realize, hey, I can surf in my own country? Well, when I moved out here to the East Coast, 
Okay. I'm originally from Ontario. I moved okay. up from the East Coast. Okay. Where about coast. in Ontario are you from? <laughs> I, I'm originally from just outside Sault Ste. Marie, but I did my okay. uh, graduate degree at University of Guelph. Okay. And did you know about the Great Lakes surfing back then or no? Not really. I okay. found out about Great Lakes surfing when I was out here. So yeah. Guys, <laughs> they were saying say, say they're surfing around Pickering, nuclear mm-hmm. plant. <laughs> yeah, really. And that's so. all. But no, and then, then, like I said, I just got hooked. And then when I came back out, I got into surfing and then I just fell into the position of run, hopping with Sands and then ended up running Sands and CSA at the same time. Amazing. And that, and then, like I said, we put on a contest with the Billabong group uh, for about five years out here, six years. It's one of the biggest contests. We had a, at one point, we had a $10,000 cash prize just for the pro side. And that's when Peter and all uh, Rath and all the brew riders would all come out from the West Coast out to the East Coast. Yeah. That. So, and that's those were the those were the events where we would have 120 people signed up for the contest. We had one of the biggest nightclubs in Halifax behind us, and we'd have a big party downtown and everything. And we even had one year we had Billabong's bus here. Right oh, super city. cool! Yeah, yeah. So it was it was different. And yeah. I was talking to Scotty Sharon a couple of weeks ago, and I think you guys also had what was it the was it the Quicksilver boat or something? Oh, they had the Quicksilver plane, biplane here. Oh, biplane. The, okay. wa- the water plane that was here one time. Okay, right on. That, that was going up and down the coast. Now, when you're talking about surfing on the East Coast, you're you're talking a lot in past tense. So has the glory days of surfing the East Coast come and gone, or where is the status of that? Is it? Well, I, I, I still surf, but I'm not as into it I, I think i because i've got spoiled because i travel i've been okay. to like i said every three years i disappear to bali for a mo- oh, okay. almost a month nice. i go to Panam Panan and i the place i stay there and they they just cater to me wow. and i see the whole place like this year november just passed i was supposed to be in sri lanka for the month of november but due to the pandemic i had to cancel that trip yeah, but th- that's the thing, and and like I said, you know, when you look at get up in the morning in the winter time, you look outside and it's frost and it's cold, and you're going, I gotta put on the wetsuit before I leave the house. I get out, damn, it's cold. Well, you know, I can wait to the summer. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the summer where I said I can remember the one time I got out in the middle of the winter. I was surfing. I think that with the wind chill, it was minus thirty five. <clears throat> and the water was cold. I remember getting out. There's big ice pellets on the back of my suit. I was there for 45 minutes. Wow. You think I'm going out there today? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think it's not saying the novelty's worn off. I still love getting in the water. I like surfing. I surf longboard now. I still got short boards. I use them once okay. in a while, but more to longboard. <clears throat> but like I said, yeah, I go either I was going to Costa Rica or I was going to Indonesia or I was going somewhere warm. Wow. And, you know, you go away for a month and you work it. So when you come back, okay, yeah, you're still in your winter soup, but it's not as cold. Mm-hmm. The water's starting to warm up and, you know, so you get used to it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've been in the water, like I said, in January. I haven't been out in February yet, uh, but I will get in. I like to get in at least once or twice during the winter months, each month. Nice. <laughs> just to say I got wet. <laughs> and it's like god and instead of going for a month i'm going for two months <laughs> wow yeah keep your status so you mentioned you know the that the future is really the kids there's a lot of talent when it comes to the youth so how is nova scotia creating that talent pool i mean getting into surfing is not 
as commonplace as like you already mentioned, getting into hockey or basketball. How are you guys uh, spreading the sport out there? Well, what we're what we're doing is I got involved with a group. Uh, it's called Lawrence Town Surf Association. Uh, okay. They're just looking after <coughs> preservation of the Lawrence Town Beach and that. But last summer we ran a contest for the kids, and it was anybody could get any. Some of their kids like two or three years old out there. Wow. Their parents and we, if they didn't have boards, we would have boards there. And it was more a family oriented thing. And mm-hmm. there were some kids there with their grandparents and their parents are surfers and their kids are surfing now. And that was the whole idea to get everybody, get it back to a community atmosphere. Like when I ran it, yeah, I did run big contests and it was flash and bang and, you know, make everybody happy and big prizes. Everybody walked away. Like who could walk complaining when you, ran uh, one of the junior class uh, for the men and you walked away with a brand new surfboard mm. or, you know, or a trip away to Costa Rica or $5,000 cash. Wow. You know, this, yeah. was, <clears throat> this was the things, but now we're trying to get the younger kids and with them kids understand the sport and that, and I don't know how many kids that I've seen out there with the parents out there in the water and they're having fun. And that's the whole idea. You know, if you can get them in there and they're having fun because, Sport is too competitive, be it hockey, be it baseball, be it whatever. And some of these kids are being forced into some of these sports that they don't want to because their dad, mom or dad didn't make it to the pros. So they're living, they're living through their kids. I hate to say okay, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, where surfing is, I don't know, <clears throat> more harmonical or more enjoyable. You just get out and enjoy the, the thing. You know, yeah. if you want to get... And it's independent. You can do yeah. it at your own speed. You don't have to rely on a team no, of other and, people. And and and, and like I said, what I like about it, and it's not done as much as it used to be, was Friday night you go out and surf. Everybody get out of the water in the parking lot. Out come the cooler. Everybody sit around and have a beer, shoot the shit for half hour. Yeah, we don't see that as much as we used to. But that was a fun thing, you know. That's why you look forward to a Friday night at the beach, eh? Yeah. You know, it might have been mediocre surf, but hey, everybody hung around, and had a great visit for an hour or two. Yeah. Afterwards, <laughs> and that was the whole idea. Like that's why we did that contest down the South Shore. I wanted to get everybody out because there was hostilities. The county, the people on the beach, the kitty, the people in the city, <laughs> people down the South Shore were all, you know, everybody's at each other's throat. Got them all in one area, let them have. Talk out. And, you know, it was a great thing. And it got to the point where we ran that contest three years in a row. And it was the best contest because everybody liked to get away for the weekend. Everybody looked forward to that one contest every year down the shore, South Shore. The surfers down the South Shore liked it because they didn't have to drive up here for a contest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everybody, by the time, you know, everybody was friends. Some people would, didn't know each other in the water. But after that time, they knew each other. In the, you'd see yeah. them. You'd see friendships develop. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's a small enough province as it is, and then you stick in a niche sport like that. Um, mm. It's nice to hear that community came together through that. Yeah. And then, you know, you stop and you figure out now how many kids are in university that have come here because they've heard you can surf. And they're on, on the floor, and there's about three or four of their friends on the floor with them. And next thing you know, on Saturday, they come out. And out of those three or four, maybe one or two will pick up the sport seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just keeps on mushrooming. And that's the thing is I can remember getting in the water. There's one place we surf. It's called the reef. I can remember getting in and you'd be pitching and complaining. There's 15 people in. I got out one time and I counted 65 people in the water. And I just, I look at it and I'm going, Laura wow. Trussell's, but at least the people down at Laura Trussell's know what they're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Put your head and die. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's the thing. It's it's we got to educate the kids, and we got to mm-hmm. educate everybody about the how to surf and the etiquette and that. But you know, it's going to grow, and as more and more <coughs> people realize that, and especially with the pandemic, a lot of people couldn't travel out of the province of Nova Scotia this summer. So what do you do? You go to the beach. <coughs> Excuse me. And you see some people surfing, well, what the heck, we'll try it. They try it, their kids try it, and they got hooked on it. Yeah. Actually, you know, parents are saying, what are you doing? Let's go out to the beach for the weekend. So that's what they do. They drive out to the beach. <laughs> yeah, a lot more people getting involved this year um, from sticking around. So now the consistency of waves on the East Coast, I mean, how does that compare to a place like Tofino? I mean, anytime I go to Tofino, I can pick a beach and there's nice waves. Um we it's it's hard. Like we can have surf here, and then we can go flat. Okay. <laughs> I can remember one summer, the month of July. I think there was all the whole month. I think there were four days that we didn't have surf. Oh. Wow. And every day you'd phone up to check the wave report, and they're going, "Yeah, wave." And one day you phone up, and they said, "What's it? No, it's flat." Oh, thank God! You're not the only one saying that. <laughs> every night you'd go out after yeah. work and you surf, eh? Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, here you look at. Magic seaweed, and you look at surf forecasting, either they're a day early or a day late, or they're too high or too low, you know. So, you, okay. got, you just got to play it, <clears throat> you got to read, get used to it. And then, like I said, I don't know how many times I've got out where I've been in the ocean before the sun's even broken over the horizon, watch a beautiful sunrise, <clears throat> surf for about another half hour, an hour, and all of a sudden, the morning crew I call start pulling in, getting in the water, and you say, See ya, I'm gone. Oh. Um, and you come back out around 4, 35 o'clock, they're all burnt out and everybody's getting all the water and you got the place to yourself again. Wow. So you do some dawn patrol and then uh, come back and pick up the scraps <laughs> later. After- yeah. Do an afternoon cleanup. Amazing. So, John, are you feeling okay? You got a cough there. You well, a little bit. To- I don't talk. I don't talk that much. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, what are your hopes for Canadian surfing? Where would you like to see it go and transform you know, into It'd be nice to see if we follow the same route as us Canadian snowboards. You know, at the Olympics, we made a name for ourselves. How many people thought we could uh, <coughs> rank in the, the Canadian snowboard? We've done that. Mm. Yeah. I think we got a long way to go. When you start and you look at it, you're in a lineup and there's a kid about five years old and he's just dropping down the face, the wave, and you're at airport left in Indonesia. <coughs> and the face is about 15 to 16 feet high and he's just whipping down the face and you're going, Okay. Yep. Wow. I'm 35 or 40 years too old for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. The more younger kids we get into the sport, the better chances we're going to have. <clears throat> and like I said, if you stop me and look at it, if we weren't one or two in hockey, I'd be upset. Surfing, if we're the top 15 in the world, I'm happy. Wow. Okay. You, know, you stop me and look, we're not. We're not the Kelly Slaters of the world. And the only way someone's going to be good is, I hate to say it, is move away from here. Go south. Yeah. And then, like I said, passport convenience. Yeah. The more board time, the better. On board time. Yeah. And that. And the better chances of getting sponsored, uh, get caught by a sponsor and get mm. sponsorship. Because, you know, it's kind of hard when you phone up a guy and say, listen, I need a corporate sponsor. What's the sport? Surfing. What? <laughs> you try to explain to him because. I thought it was hockey. No, no. It's a <laughs> no. You know, but and like I said, when, the young, when we had sponsorship, we had Mazda, and it was courtesy of Logan Landry's dad. He was involved in Mazda. Oh, wow. 
he opened the door for us and we got master for two years, corporate sponsor. <coughs> and that, and now, like I said, I pitched an idea for a commercial. And that was back in 2005. And I laugh now because you see a commercial and they're talking about uh, advertising cars with surfers. Wow. So we're a little ahead of our time at that time, I think. I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, I was talking to Eddie Castillo. He's one of the river surfers from out in Alberta who's made a name for himself. And he's made him, he's actually been featured in a, like a travel to Alberta commercial yep. surfing on the river. So, well, see, it's, 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 a good yeah. it's a good advertisement. Like I said, Tourism Nova Scotia, any video or any advertising you see, it doesn't matter if you're in the States, because I've talked to relatives down in the States. And they said, oh, you guys surf in Nova Scotia. We saw it on the video. And I said, well, Tourism Nova Scotia. And that's and even around the world. Or you got on Air Canada when you're doing a flight over to Heathrow. The Air Canada was advertising uh, Halifax, and they showed surfing. So there, there's Air Canada on an international flight. Now, whenever I think East Coast surfing in Canada, I'm always thinking Nova Scotia. Um, but is there, there must be a scene of some kind in Newfoundland, maybe PEI in New Brunswick? Uh, like, not, not in PEI, but Newfoundland, no? yes. Okay, yes, Newfoundland. Uh, and uh, around St. John's, down, down um, in New Brunswick area. Yep. Because uh, out in the Bay of Fundy, they get a little bit of a surf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but PEI, no. Uh, Nova Scotia, and it's really starting to pick up down in Yarmouth area. Down mm. that way, too, at the end oh, of the okay. province. Yep. But Cape Breton has a good... Mount Surf and uh, the Avalon Peninsula off St. John, Whitless Bay, uh, Carbonair, all that area. Awesome. So, and you know, you stop and you look at <coughs> the storms that we're getting. If a hurricane stops about 400 miles off shore around Sable Island, <coughs> excuse me, and spins for a day or two, we're going to have four or five days of solid surf here. Wow. Yeah. And that. And you're, you're almost. Nova Scotia is almost an island, so you're you're surrounded by water pretty much everywhere. Pretty well, so, yeah. Yeah, you could kind of follow, you know, follow the coast until you find waves. I suppose. Well, there's there's waves all over the place, and yeah. because of the cat Nova Scotia, it's mostly point breaks. Mm. Where where you go to a lot of these places that you did the world contest, like in Piha, it was a beach break, and okay. that. So when people start surfing point breaks, it's different. It's a different wow. type of surf. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to stop and you look at the how the, the province is set up, all the points we got. But the problem mm -hmm. is a lot of the points are private now. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> that's now, the biggest you, you mentioned the uh, Lawrencetown organization. Uh, I've seen online, there seems to be a few different East Coast surfing um, clubs or associations. I know there's the ESA. Um there's this Lawrencetown group you're talking about. Yep. So how do all those groups play into the bigger surf scene? What are their responsibilities? Well, the Lawrencetown Surf Association, what they want to do is they want to look back after because they were figuring that the Lawrencetown Beach was getting neglected. Okay. And so by Sands and by everybody else, they're all, that was their feeling. <clears throat> so they shot this group up, but they wanted to get back to the community. And that was the whole thing. We wanted to <coughs> get back. And then and Lawrencetown, there was a shed there. So we worked with everybody to get that repainted, even though the province intergalactic. And, you know, capital, there's no capital there. <coughs> there's some other issues out at Lawrencetown that, you know, the group wanted to get together as a thing to promote Lawrencetown. And that was the whole idea of it. And like I said, we're running a contest. We do beach cleanups, stuff like that. And we get the community involved. And it's just not... 
<coughs> you know, we're, we're doing this or we got, these are our goals. We're open to everybody. And anybody who wants to get involved, they come and say, okay, I want to do this. We had someone approach us about <coughs> planting trees on the bluff because the bluff is starting to deteriorate. And so we said, yeah, it's a great idea. Everybody's willing to work with it, but let's check with the government minister of natural resources if we can do it. Do it, go go through the legwork and see if it's time. But these are community ideas people are throwing at us. Let's do it as a group. Okay. And that's the whole idea. It's a cooperative more than anything. Hmm. <coughs> so. so you mentioned that you were the grumpy Santa the one day out on the waves. <laughs> Is there a sense of localism in Nova Scotia or is it pretty friendly out there? There is, a, there is, and there isn't. Let's put it this way. Okay. There, there is breaks <coughs> where because someone sees a bunch of people surfing at the point and on, and they know the road is private. There's a reason why that road is private. Hmm. It doesn't mean that you should be able to go out and walk on the waterline to use that person at that point. Yeah. The points are open to public. But you got to be respectful. And that's why there's some breaks around here that I will only go if I'm by myself. I won't take someone with me because what happens is, (coughs) excuse me, if I take someone and next time they go and I'm not with them and they take two other people and they, and next thing I know, this break is no longer a private break or a quiet break. No one knows about it. It's 80 other people out there. And when you got something that you want to keep private, that's the thing. And that's where the idea of localism coming in. And then mm-hmm. this summer we had a little bit of an issue here where people were coming out of province and not quarantined. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And it got a little ugly. And, and, and legitimately, the people around here were right. You know, yeah. the person was getting snotty. And, you know, got to remember, if you're not from Nova Scotia, don't come in and tell us how to surf or do how be respectful of everybody. Yeah, if you're yeah. respectful, you're going to be accepted. Well, as soon as you get snotty or get your get everybody's fair up in the back, you're in trouble. Yeah, that's all we're saying is you know, that's that's the type of localism there is. Because you guys had checkpoints <laughs> coming into the province, right? Yeah, we had checkpoints, but you're supposed to, you know you're supposed to self-regulate. You're supposed to say I'm quarantined at this address. Well, yeah. people had rented a place on the break in the beach by the beach. And they figured because they were there, they can go out and surf. I see. And they could go here and they could go there. <clears throat> no, you know, supposed to self-quarantine. And that was where they came into one of these breaks that was semi-private or somewhat not many people knew about it. And they got kind of got into a pushy match with some people. Not pushing, but, you know, back and forth, verbal volleys back and forth. And that's when it got ugly. Yeah. You know? yeah. That, that's where you get localism. It's where... People see something, they think, oh, because they're out there surfing, even though there's no trespassing signs all down that guy's road, I should should I be able to go out and surf that spot? And that's where we run into problem where people are not thinking about it, or they okay. run across a, or they go across a person's property and get mouthy with a person, and maybe that person was nice enough to let us use this property, but this person got into a pissy match or left his garbage or whatever. Problem is. He's painted us all with one brush, and that land owner's going to say, no, that property's closed now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Should I just be respectful of the people that own the property? And like I said, that's the biggest problem. And if they, if they are respectful and, you know, if someone says, listen, this is not a break for you, say thank you, grab your board, leave. There's other breaks around the province. But when you get in a pissy match with someone, and who has a local, lives there, that doesn't sit well. That's where you get your localism. Yeah. Yeah. So generally the spots that are 
you know, very publicized, um, are usually pretty good and, yes. and welcoming to surf. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty well. There's a lot, there's a lot of the breaks, but like I say, there's some spots that you'll drive along and also you see a whole bunch of cars parked there and you're saying, well, if there's cars there, there's something there and you walk over and you see there's a break, but you see all these no trespassing signs or respect the owner's property or something. There's a reason why there's signs there. Mm, yeah. You know, he might he might be in a little guy owns a property, says, listen, I know you because you're so and so and I've known you for years. You're allowed to surf here. You, I don't know you. Why should you be allowed to surf if it's his property? I mean, he's asking, I'm inviting you on to use property to yeah. use this thing. And that's that's where we run into problems anywhere. And it's not just here. It's anywhere in the world. You'll run into problems where, yeah. you know, you take it for granted that this property has always been open. But as more and more of the property being sold. And people are taking it over or not as friendly or not as accommodating as we should say. Yeah. And that. Because the water is for everybody, but the access is and not access, necessarily. Yeah. yeah. No. And that's what you got to be careful about. And that's, like I said, that's where I think we got our biggest problems where we, a lot of localism starts is where people come into an area, take it over or try to take it over leave their garbage around or getting into a, a, a verbal match out in the water with someone. And the guy's a local, one of the legends here, one of the guys have been here from day one and you pissed him off or you got into mm. it. Well, the rest of the people in that pod that are there surfing with him are not going to be in your favor. Yeah, And that's what happens. You know, it's, it's, and, and the worst part is, it could be just one person or one group of guys in a car and they got a, an out of province license plate. Everybody's painted with that brush, unfortunately. And that's the baddest problem I find. Yeah. And I'm going to guess that that license plate uh, province starts with an O and ends with an O. No. No. Oh, okay. Well, no. hey, one for Ontario then. Score one no, for no, Ontario. It's it's People a little bit about, Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, and that's the majority of the problems is, is when they come down, they figure, you know. <clears throat> and then, and then, you know, we've had we have Americans that come up here during the hurricane season when they were allowed to come up, <laughs> and they were the most friendly people. And some of them still come back, and some of them, everybody's in contact with half a dozen of them that are good friends now. Yeah, because they came and they respect, and they it's not, you don't come in and dictate. That's the biggest problem we have. So do you cross the border much into Maine or anything for surf? No. 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 You stick to the Canadian waves. Canadian and, and water, <laughs> water Caribbean. Yeah. Pacific side or Indonesia or uh, New Zealand. Yeah. So you came here in the late 90s. Yeah. Um, so how have you seen surfing? Um You've talked a lot about, you know, the participants and the surfers themselves, but what about the industry itself? I'm going to guess there was a limited number of shops in the it late still 90s. still is a limited number of shops. Okay. And it's, it's it, you know, it's a tight, small business because <clears throat> there's not many people, like if a lot of people with secondhand equipment and stuff like that. <clears throat> we do have some good shapers. Mm. Black Tuna is one okay uh kevin julian for longboards is on blue these are stuck are ones that are starting to shape scott forbes is another former sh shaper and he does the odd board during pandemic okay. <laughs> these guys are making great boards and that's mm. something that we didn't have here before okay so you know that that industry is growing but the stores are a struggle and, and and like anything if you can order it online and you're looking yeah. at the price the problem is you order it online 
And that's, that hurts not just the, the rep who's selling that line to the store, it's the stores that are hurting too. Yeah. And that, and that's a problem. We don't have, we just all had a new store open up Lawrencetown uh, surf company, which I hope they do very well, but you know, we used to have four or five stores in Halifax that were into surf. We're down oh, to, okay. two now, you know, oh, wow. but, but it's all online. You know, you can yeah. go online, you can order a board <coughs> or a wetsuit and have it here a week later, mm-hmm. you know? So, and that's what a lot of people look at it. You know, do I pay X number of dollars at the store or do I pay a little less for the wetsuit? And I'm ordering that line. Mm-hmm. Or, and I don't care if it's last year's model. I might get it even cheaper. And that's what no one cares. No one looks at, I don't want, you know, like going downhill skiing, you got to have the best skis, the brightest snowshoe that week. Oh, to, to, next week is a different style. I'll go out and buy the new suit. Not yeah. here. You're using the same cut, wet suit and stuff like that. Well, and when I do talk to shop owners right now with yeah. COVID, it sounds like getting product in is a big problem as well, um, because well, most of it is international. Well, you stop and figure all wetsuits are made in one plant in Indonesia. Okay. Okay. They make Quicksilver for a couple of weeks. They go to Bilbao. They do. They get, keep on bouncing from different company to different company. Well, they were shut down for how long? Yeah. And at the same time, last year, I know the rep down here, he said the guy that he gets his product out of XL suits and out, from out west. Had a warehouse full of stuff. And then when everything started shutting down, he was getting paranoid. Well, the guy has nothing. I was looking at trying to get a winter wet suit from him. He says, won't have it to the spring. Well, well winter's over. So that, yeah. there's a short, there's a shortage. And it's the same as surfboards, wetsuits, anything. Everything is in short supply until the supply chains open up and start really servicing. And not to be an ignorant thing, but if a wetsuit or one of the big surf companies have so many wetsuits to supply and they got so many, where are they going to send them? They're going to send so many to Europe where their main market is. They're going to send mm-hmm. some of these to the States and maybe Australia and New Zealand. Do you think Canada's going to get a large chunk? No. no. They're going to get a couple. Yeah. You know? And the sizes that don't sell, they'll send them up here. Okay. That's a problem. It's a supply and demand right now. Absolutely. So, like I said, what works out good is because of the surfboard guys that are shaping and uh, glassing here, it's, we're not being held hostage to the Americans with the exchange rate mm-hmm. and uh, all the duties in that on boards. Yeah. So that's great. And that Laura, that new shop you're talking about, yeah. I've seen them online. Wow. Yeah. That is a very nice looking, they've done a good job with the exterior oh, yeah. and inside. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And it's a good added addition. It's heading out towards Lawrencetown Beach, you know, right on the road. You're going to get the clientele. They do run the East Coast Surf School. Uh, okay. The Lawrencetown, the one big, one of the bigger runners uh, for school surf schools out there. But, you know, I hope they do well. And, uh, you know, I go out there and support them whenever I can. Yeah, um, for sure. But, but that's the thing. And like I said, it's supply and demand now. So if you can't get wetsuits and that, but at the same time, we're not being held hostage for boards. Uh, we got yeah. some of the, like I said, some of the best shapers here now on the East coast. So awesome. Now, earlier in our conversation, you mentioned uh, you spent an evening with Robert August. What happened was we went down for the world and we were, had it set up that we we're staying at his house and he had the team from uh, El Salvador. I think they're Honduras, one of those countries. Also staying in the house. So the house was really packed and we stayed there a night and a half. And then we ended up, someone knew the girl, a lady had owned the surf museum and had a house there. She let us, all we had to pay was cleaning fees. So, which wasn't much, but we used Robert August's house one night, one night and a half. But yeah, it was, it was interesting. You know, know, we stayed at Robert August's house and everybody's looking. Yeah. Yeah. 
was it was there some really awesome boards on the well, wall yes yeah. well, well put it this or? way put it this way i i did not have a surfboard when i went down there and i asked robert if i could board one of his boards he said oh uh, take that white white and red one out there it was an almeric took it out paddled out and caught a couple of nice waves with that flipped it over to my buddy robert happy 50th your buddy al Wow. It was a birthday board. I was using yeah. back. I go, he says, no, no, that's what it's there for to serve. I'm going, holy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, don't ding that one up. No, no, but yeah, they know that he had all the boards there. And he was at that time, he was there for the day and a half, but he was leaving that night. The night we were still there, he was leaving because he was going down to uh, Costa Rica, test place down in Costa Rica. Oh, okay. So, but wow. yeah. <laughs> no, I, it was interesting to meet him and, uh, you know, talking to different people down there. Yeah, that's a cool brush with, you know, a surfing yeah. icon. Wow. Yeah. And then I keep in touch with his son, uh, Sam, right now quite a bit. Oh, okay. That. Yeah. Um, when I was there, I was speaking with uh, someone at, a, at the restaurant, and he was mentioning that there's a restaurant there that for her charity to give back, she provides all free breakfast for the young group of surfers because it's like their football down there. Like, oh, yeah. it's well, all about, yeah. <clears throat> well, there's one, one of the guys we hung around with, Billy Hopkins, I think is Hopkins or Hopkins is his name. His son was in high school at that time and he had to be in the water every morning from six to 10. Every morning, that was part of his one of his credits. He was on the oh, surf team. Wow. I, didn't, I didn't beach surf team. Yeah. High school. I didn't get high school. Surf team. Man, credits for surfing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. What that a... was, you know, but that, you know, that was a that was an eye opener because you got we got to meet people and you yeah. got to understand. <clears throat> like I said, I, I built a, a very close friendship with a lot of the, like I said, the world presidents from all over the world. And you know, we'd always talk and Sometimes you didn't understand everything they were saying, whatever language, but you know, they're friends. And every year, as soon as you walk into the hotel, the host hotel, and as soon as they see you, you're back over, carrying on like it was yesterday Amazing. we were talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned how Canada was sort of seen as this fringe country in surfing. Yeah. Who are some of the other countries that even you were sort of shocked to see on the world stage for surfing? Well, uh, Ireland. Oh, okay. Okay, you stop me. Look at Ireland at that time. Uh, UEI, United Emirates, was one, had just joined. Uh, Kuwait was part of it. Israel had a team. Oh wow! Okay, you know these these were the interesting thing, <clears throat> and uh, you know you, you you figure the heart the Australia, New Zealand. <clears throat> it was always between Australia and U.S. and Brit, uh, France, who was going to win the world. It was always competition, eh? <clears throat> but some of the other countries, like Germany, would have a team there. Sweden would have a team. Norway, because maybe it was a passport of convenience, but the person lived somewhere else. <clears throat> but that was the thing. Or Papua New Guinea. Mm -hmm. Some of these countries, this third world countries, you look at them, but, you know, they just blew your mind, the, the, yeah. the body. Uh, <clears throat> we're in uh, New Zealand. I was there with Jacob Aubrey for the World Juniors. <clears throat> we're down at uh, Raglan Surfing, and he goes to me, he says, that girl next to us, you know who that is? And I just look over, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Sophie Milanovic. The uh, Peruvian surfer. Oh, surfer, wow. yeah. Nice. And she, he says, I said to her, I says, hey, my friend's a, 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 a fan of yours, but he's trying to ask you his <laughs> autograph. <laughs> 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 and she talked to him and that, but you know, it's just a look on his face. He was just a junior young kid, and he's yeah. looking at this world surfer. Yeah. And that. 
<coughs> being at the world's of meeting Bongo Perkins, mm. you know, incredible. Yeah. Some of the, some of these names. And I remember being in New Zealand and everybody's talking to the different pros they had there from at that time that was under Quicksilver and the owner of Quicksilver was there. And I'd rather talk to him because it was business. I said, I saw you yeah. on NBC last week and we're talking and he's laughing. Wow. Yeah. Usually all the people wants to hang around with the surfers. I, <laughs> I, you're a businessman. I like you. Yeah. Right on. You'd learn a uh, thing or two, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So in Canada's, you know, shorter time in surfing, I guess you could say, if we were to have a surfing hall of fame, um, who would you nominate for the first class in, in surfing, Canadian <laughs> surfing history? I would, I would nominate, there's, there's a crew here. I call them the grandfathers of surfers, I think. It would be like Paul Campolari. Last choice, um, Rob Spicer, uh, Ian McDonald, Jim Ledbetter. These were the guys that started the surfing here. In okay. You know, there were some other people earlier than them, but they were the ones that started. And, you know, you listen to some of the stories, how they used to go out and surf. And, you know, it was just unbelievable what they would ride with surfboards and that. Those That's a history. Mm. Like Paul Campolari is originally from Australia. He moved okay. here. He wow. came over here and he's been here for all his life and his grandkids are surfing. So there wow. there's generations. Yeah. Amazing. That, that's where I call the history. Okay. You, you almost have to have the founding fathers and then that'd be the crew from here. There is some crew out on the West coast, but you know, the majority, if you stop, <coughs> you look at it, the surfing, even though that might be a more noticeable or more talked about on the West coast, there's a longer history here on the East coast and on the West coast for the mm. surf. We started in the late, early 50s, mid 50s. So, okay. and then you saw those were the Americans coming up here and surfing in the winter, in the summertime and that. But then you got people like Leslie Choice and like Paul Campolari and that, that the grandfathers, I call them. So these uh, guys that you're mentioning right now, are they featured in a movie called Breaking the Ice? Because I've been told to watch Bre this movie. Bre Breaking the Ice was uh, not that. The Breaking, um, I'm trying to think. Breaking the Ice, if I'm not mistaken, was about um, the Red Bull contest. Oh, okay. And Red Bull, they ran that in the middle of the winter here. Oh, okay. That. But there is another one. There's one called Gorillas in the Fog. Gorillas in the Fog? Go, Gorillas in the Fog. That's one done by Pat Bannister out of here. Now, that's a good movie. <laughs> and I might give you a little more history on, on the, the surfing there. That's Okay, excellent. But, yeah, that was, like, there's been talk about rebottling or rebuilding the place out of Lawrencetown, the, the shed or the building where we want to have a handicap where they can go up on a deck and look out at the ocean over the dunes and that mm. but we also like to have a hall of fame there or a history of canadian surfing hall of fame or <coughs> history and that's where we'd like to put a lot of that stuff there's yeah. a lot of stuff around and that, that sounds like a good next project for you for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah may you never know something something down the road keeps yeah. me out of trouble I love it. Yeah. Hey, I saw a little bit of uh, ink on your arm there. What's your, looks like some cool. This is all the, all the places I've surfed around the world. Really? Let me see some of that sleeve. Those are shit. Oops. Oh, wow. You're really, you got all the artwork. Oh man. Incredible. It goes. <laughs> so different patterns and designs yeah, what happened different... was every time i went away on a surf trip you know it's always nice to get a picture and a t-shirt 
Yeah. I wanted something different. So what I do is I pick up a piece of native work. <clears throat> Come back here, and I had a guy that's been doing my work for the last 30-some years, Chris Moss. Okay. Yep. I give him the piece. He'd look at the piece, and he'd go, give me a week. And he'd call me up a week later. He says, come on down the shop. He says, I'm going to put it here, and here's how I'm going to lay it out. And he'd lay it out. And that's a, Every piece joins together. It almost looks like one piece. Yeah. It's incredible. And that, <clears throat> but, yeah, no, I'm, everything. Like I said, there's Indonesia. There's Cook Islands. There's Maltese. Everything. Like, wow. Yeah. Because it looks very symmetrical from how I'm seeing it. But I suppose if you laser in, there's some very different contrasting well, the, styles. The ferns. Yeah. And that. So, and like I said, different things. He said, he said, uh, fun. Thanks, my He just said, where's your traveling this year? That's all he says. Yeah. He says, oh, we're going to have fun then. Yeah. You, oh. You're staying like, home. <laughs> yeah, he's, but he's done all my work for me. No, I'm really impressed with his work. And like I said, it's been 30 years of surfing, traveling. Right on. So, what would life have been um, without surfing? Bored. Yeah. I think so. I thought I had fun and I got to travel and I got to meet friends and got to see a lot of the world. You know, yeah. how many people can say they've gone away because they got to see some of the some of the best surf breaks whenever they were at a world contest, the best breaks in that country were closed to the public. They're only open to us for the contest and the surfers to use. So we're at Piha. You're surfing there. No one else could surf it. Or down in uh, Costa de Capra in Peru, surfing uh, the break just below Lima. Wow. Or uh, Costa de Capra in uh, Portugal. Or Bay of Basquen in France. Wow. You know? I know who to talk to when I want to travel. I sounds like you know the places to go. Yeah, and that. But like I said, we got I, I got to surf Raglan's. I enjoyed myself. In wow. And that. So. So will you ever stop surfing? No, I'll be. Uh, I said uh, because of the pandemic, uh, sixty three is uh, two thousand three two thousand twenty three is uh, <clears> the <throat> year I think I'm going to be traveling, and that'll be I'll be sixty one. Okay. I'll be, I'll be going back to Indo. To Bali so you still got a long surfing, uh, a lot yep. of surfing ahead of you. Yeah, that's right. Get at uh, heart. Get at yeah. heart. Yeah, nice. So before I let you go, John, if people want to connect with you or learn more about your involvement in surfing, are you available somewhere online for people? or? Not, not really. They can get a hold of me on Surf, uh, surf Lawrencetown Surf Association there. Okay. But really, I, I'm... I'm just kind of different. I'm kind of all over the place. <laughs> Look for him in the water. Yeah. But you, but your big involvement these days is with the Lawrencetown. Um, Surf Association. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So we can put that website up on the, uh, the notes here for people. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Well, hey, John, I love talking to you. I feel like I, I just really, you uncovered a big piece of East Coast surfing history for me, which I was not aware of. And the request from the East Coast folks has been to talk to, um, you know, what they've coined as the legends. The, you know, so I think that you fall into that category and I really appreciate your time. Thank and you. uh, yeah, filling me in. So hopefully we'll see you out here in the water sometime. I will definitely take you up on that. When you guys extend your bubble a little bit and you, you let us back in, I will be there. And I'd like to see some of those spots with you, my friend. Okay, we'll look after you then. Nice, perfect. But in okay. the meantime, John, I want you to stay stoked. <laughs> I always do. <laughs> right on. 
That's all for episode number 35 of Permastoked. I hope you all enjoyed listening or watching that one. Again, I want to say a big mahalo to my guest, John Fluke, for sharing his experience and knowledge of CSA Surf Canada and for his time spent with those kids, you know, really boosting them up and providing opportunities for them. John, you're the man. Thanks for everything you've done. For those of you who want to connect with John, you can find him on Instagram at nssurfer. And also, if you haven't already, be sure to check out Surfing, making its Olympic debut on CBC. Mahalo to Mark Malibu and the Wasegas for providing our intro music Hey Chihuahua off their 2019 album Crash Monster Beach and our outro music End of Summer off their 2017 album Return of the Wasegas. For more information visit www.wasegas.com. Mahalo to the Planet Smashers as well and Stomp Records for allowing us to play Surfing in Tofino off their 1999 album Life of the Party. You can visit them at www.stomprecords.com. And to the Scrapes, mahalo for providing Wait and See off your 2018 self-titled album, Scrapes. For more information on Scrapes, visit www.scrapesmusic.bandcamp.com. But of course, mahalo to all you great listeners out there. We are so thankful that you chose to join us for this episode, and we look forward to providing you with even more awesome content in the future. More episodes are certainly on their way, but in the meantime, make sure to go back and listen to our previous episodes. And don't miss an episode ever again by subscribing on the Alexa app, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever it is, man, that you get your podcast, we are there. So please let us know how we're doing. Leave us a rating and a review. And don't forget to share this with your friends and family over social media or by spreading the word in the lineup. You can learn more about Freshwater Surf Goods and check out our products and services at www.freshwatersurfgoods.com. You can even sign up for our newsletter so you can stay up to date on new products, new episodes of Permastoke, events, our surf sup and yoga schedules, and other exciting news. And hey, you can even find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter all at freshwater surf goods but if you're a part of the surf or sup industry or a surfaholic wanting to connect with your tribe and stay informed as to what's happening all across the great lakes and the canadian surf scene then join our facebook group the all canadian surf and sup club and as well if you've got an idea for a collaboration you'd like to recommend a future guest you'd like to invite me to an event or book me to teach surf sup or yoga or maybe you want to carry our products in your store or your company is interested in being a sponsor of this show, or for anything else, hit me up on social media or email me at Derek at freshwatersurfgoods.com. That's Derek, D-E-R-I-K at freshwatersurfgoods.com. I look forward to next time, Freshies, and getting to know you all better. In the meantime, I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. Mahalo, keep surfing, and stay stoked.